Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Broad Eye podcast. My name is Sean Maloney, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Dr. Bruno Fernandez. Bruno, how are you doing? How's it going, Sean? Pleasure to be here again. Yeah, doing well. And I know you're, uh, well, so am I, but you in particular are very excited about our guest, Victoria Nolan. Yeah, very, man. Not only because she's uh, into sports like I am, but uh, particularly into rowing, which is, which is a passion on, uh, uh, in, in the family of my wife here in Canada. So they're all very excited like, to, 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 to see this uh, podcast coming up. Victoria, welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Thanks. So uh, I could try to do a, an introduction for you. I would never give it justice, do it justice though. So, I mean, you're a speaker, you're a mother, you're an advocate, you're a, a very successful athlete, and we're going to touch on a number of these areas, but maybe we can just start off by talking a little bit about uh, your vision loss and, you know, what caused the vision loss uh, and how has that changed over time and what level of sight I mean, it's hard to quantify in a way that makes sense to people who don't have vision loss but what level of sight I guess would you say that you have at, at the present moment okay well uh, I have retinitis pigmentosa um, which is a degenerative disease so I was born with it but um, since no one in my family had it we didn't even realize there was a problem because you lose your sight slowly so I actually didn't get diagnosed till I was 18 um you typically in, in RP, you lose your night vision first. So that was one of the reasons I didn't really know that was gone. Cause you know, as a kid, you don't really go out on your own at night. Um, so yeah, I was diagnosed at 18. And by that point I'd already lost 90% of my sight, which is pretty amazing to think I was, you know, getting around and managing without even realizing I had lost so much. Um, so I've been losing it steadily since then. Now I'm at the point where I just have a tiny bit of central vision left. Um, I usually describe it like, um, if you were in a room that was pitch black and you had a little flashlight, maybe the size of a pen, um, that's kind of what it's like. So you can kind of scan around the room and, and figure out, you know, obstacles that are there, but there isn't a whole lot you can see. Oh, no, fair, fair enough. And um, just before I keep going on here, did you ever get genetic testing to understand uh, the mutation, given that it was no, no family history there? Yeah, so we've only, uh, when we had done initially, um, it was one of those cases where um, there wasn't a lot known about my particular type of RP. Um, I think they've, as it's progressed, they've been able to name it. Um, which I actually don't know off the top of my head because it's like a bunch of numbers and um, <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of uh, like some types of RP, you know, there's been, you know, clinical trials or they know a little more about it. My type is kind of not, there's not a lot known at the moment. That's very cool. Uh, I mean, I'm an athlete myself, so I'm very curious about uh, your life uh, as an athlete and uh, particularly a rower. So when, when did you get to that? When did you start rowing and, uh, and why did you decide uh, to row? It's a very odd story. Um, growing up, I hated sports and stayed away from them because obviously because of my vision loss, um, teachers didn't really know how to accommodate me. 
So gym class was just terrible. I did everything I could to sit out of it. Didn't join team sports. Um, but I did love, you know, stuff that I could do on my own. I loved dance. Uh, I liked to run. So I was definitely athletic. Um, but yeah, I didn't actually turn to sports until I was much older after my kids were born. So I was 30 years old and um, had had two kids. My vision had gotten significantly worse with the pregnancies. And I was looking for something that would help me to, because at that point I was like, I was feeling depressed. I was staying in the house. Um, I was actually afraid to leave the house. So I wanted to find something that would inspire me to get out and do something. So I was like, I, you know, I've got to find an activity that I love, um, that I love so much that I'm not going to be afraid to go out and do it. So I tried a bunch of different um, sports and I don't know why I thought of trying rowing. Um, I know the CNIB often suggests sailing to people with vision loss. Um, and so that kind of put me in mind of water sports, but I wanted something a little more active. So then I, I just checked out if we had rowing in Toronto and the Argonaut Rowing Club, um, when I looked them up, they actually had a program for people with disabilities. So that gave me a lot of confidence in thinking, okay, this is something I can do. They're going to support me. And um, I just fell in love with it right away. So that's, that's very cool that they have a program like just for, for people like you. Uh, what are the specifics that they do to, to, to help you out? Uh, so funny thing is, in my particular case, so when I contacted them and explained my situation, I said, you know, I do have some vision centrally. Uh, they decided to have me just try the regular learn to row program with everybody else. So the only change that they had to make for me, because initially they, so we were in a boat of eight people and the eight people obviously have to move in time. Um, so initially they had me in the middle of the boat, which wasn't going so well. <laughs> I wasn't really able to follow the person in front of me and it was getting a little messy. So they moved me to the front seat of the boat. So then I didn't have to worry about following anyone. I just had to set the rhythm and just focus on learning how to row. So that's what worked for me. Um, but for anyone else, if, you, if that situation wouldn't work for you, um, they'll work with you one-on-one -on -one or they will find you know, other rowers that you can row with and, and support you that way. And just, it's really um, you know, taking each person as an individual and finding what works for them. You know, it's interesting you're, you're talking about trying to find uh, a sport that would work for you. So I had a little bit of a similar path, also having RP. You know, I, I played uh, a lot of team sports as a kid, but I was that guy, you know, when I was 14, 15 years old playing hockey, body contact hockey, but I had to look down to see the puck. <laughs> so it didn't, oh. really, didn't pen out too well for me a lot of times, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I eventually navigated, you know, trying to find other uh, sports as well. Um, rowing, I've tried a couple of times, never really uh dove into it i got into running a bit um because i was able to find running partners including mm -hmm. my wife so and then uh actually through bruno so bruno is a he's a world champion jujitsu and he runs a couple of uh jujitsu schools in the montreal area and oh, wow. he's also an ophthalmologist <laughs> so if you know his background his background he's really good for this podcast um but uh you know uh he said man like jujitsu is an amazing sport because it's very you know, once you've got a hold of the other person, it's all proprioception. You, you know, sometimes they'll even do training with the lights off. So, and yeah, I know he has some uh, totally blind students as well. So mm -hmm. the, uh, it, it'd be nice to see if there was, and maybe there are um, really good resources out there to direct people who want to be active to these different organizations that um, are more accessible, I guess, or, or have 
had uh, clients or participants who are visually impaired and it'd just be more comfortable saying, Hey, I'm visually impaired. Sure. We we've, we've accommodated before. It'd be no problem to accommodate you. Right. So, um, this is me going off on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I'll do that a lot. Um, you, I, I, over time, you must have, you know, uh, accumulated a lot of stories, so to speak, whether they're funny, scary, uh, unusual, et cetera, um, related to your rowing career. Is there anything that stands out at all that you think it would be interesting for the audience to hear? I do have a funny story from uh, when I first started. Um, so, when I first started rowing at um, at an international level, they have you wear this visor that's like it's a blackout visor. So it's like ski goggles. Um, if you've ever played goalball, it's it's one of those um, face visors. So basically, what it does is um, because you know people with vision loss have different levels of vision, it's supposed to level the playing field. So you put on the mask, and then you can't see anything. Everyone's at the same level. So that was quite an adjustment getting used to wearing that um even when you know even though i i only had a tiny bit of vision i of course relied on that right so then we had this blackout visor on can't see anything so my very first big race um it was at canadian henley which is like a race for um canada and the u.s um so we we had this race got the blackout visor on we're representing canada for the first time and uh, <laughs> So as we're going through the race, I caught, it's called catching a crab is when your, your oar gets sucked under the water. Um, so that's like disaster, right? So I got it out, but then because I did that, it caused the rower behind me to do the same thing. And his was so bad that we actually had to stop the boat to, you know, sort everything out and start again. So I was mortified. I was like, oh my gosh, we're representing Canada. I've just caused us to lose the race because obviously you know, everyone else has passed us by this point. So we finished the race. Everyone's like silent. No one's saying anything. I was like feeling horrible. And then we start rowing over to the podium. And I was like, that's weird. Cause normally you only go over to the podium if you're winning the gold medal. So we get to the podium and I'm like, why are we going here? And everyone's just like, ha ha ha. I like didn't really answer me. And I was like, oh, great. Now I guess they've changed it. So everyone's got to stand there while the, the team getting the gold medal you know you stand there and like applause them or whatever anyway so it turns out we actually did win the race I had no idea <laughs> nobody told me <laughs> so it was a good learning experience that uh, they needed to communicate with me a little bit better <laughs> now they just uh, in, what's the setup in the boat um like it, were you the only person in, you're not the only person in the boat with a visual impairment are you I was actually yeah oh you were so okay yeah. Yeah. So it was a learning experience. Everyone uh, has different disabilities in the, the category that I row in. So yeah, I was the only one. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I wasn't sure if it's yeah. okay. The boat is only people with vision, visual disabilities or how that worked exactly. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, any, any disability, right? Physical. Uh, like yeah, so it's essentially, um, there's three categories in rowing. The category that I'm in is if you can use your legs as um, as part of the stroke. And then um, there's a, another, so we're PR3. That means that you do the full stroke with your legs. And then there's PR2, where you can use your body and arms, but not your legs. And then there's PR1, where it's arms only. All right, very interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. 
from I mean taking a more practical approach like to to the life of an athlete uh, uh, to become a professional athlete right and have that as your career it is it is pretty risky and considered almost reckless by by some people like that uh, don't see so much of a future you know like investing your your life into sports um, and I see that a lot with uh, like the, the young students that I have the, there's usually a lot of resistance from the family that try to push them into having a more conventional career you know going to school or be a lawyer a doctor or whatever uh, you, 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 you said that you started your, your career quite late into sports but uh, did you have any 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 resistance from the people around you that you know you shouldn't invest so much time into it and do something more like let's say normal? I think one of the reasons that I've been so successful is I've had incredible support from my husband. Um, I think if he hadn't been so supportive, it definitely would have been a challenge. Um, my parents did think it was you know I shouldn't be taking it on; it was too much. Um, But, but, you know, by then I, it's not like uh, I was living with them. So I, didn't, I took what they were saying with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's definitely a risk and it, it's scary. But um, I mean, you know how I said, like I was looking for something that I loved so much that it would get me out of the house. I mean, when you love something this much, um, it's worth it. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine not doing it. Um, yeah, it's just, a, it's, I think for me, especially, it's so much more than just the love of the sport, because when I'm out there on the water, I feel like that's me, like that's the real me. Um, when I'm trying to walk around, you know, um, avoiding obstacles, I've got my guide dog, I'm like slow. And but when I'm out on the water, it's so liberating and, and graceful and fast. And so that's where I feel like I'm at home. I can certainly recognize that you know um some of the day-to-day -day things like you know crossing the street and I'd, I'd tell my wife like you know I feel like I'm you know uh, able to do a lot of things in my life but sometimes the very basic things you need help with and you you, you know you, you, that feeling of dependence is not fun but then when you find yourself in your element and you're just doing it even better than somebody who cited you, uh, mm -hmm. you really start soaring I'm going to jump around a little bit here because um You talked about your guide dog, and I don't know. There's, I don't know if you want to share this story, but there, I heard about a story once upon a time when you were competing. I think it was in the U.S. somewhere, and there was an issue with your your guide dog um, and where you were staying. Is that uh, ring a bell? That story? Uh, yeah, I've had a number of those incidents. There was one. Uh, we were going to train in Miami, and we were trying to book a hotel, and there were several hotels that told us they wouldn't accept dogs even if it was a guide dog um so in the states they have the americans with disabilities act so i was able to file a complaint through that and uh, we got it resolved so they um retrained all their staff and they put a sign up saying service dogs welcome and yeah it's frustrating i mean we my husband made a joke that like my guide dogs probably a million times better behaved than the, you know, the people that go down there for spring break, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's agree with that. <laughs> there, you there you go. Um, no, I don't know. And that's interesting to, to hear it. And you can imagine when, you know, people who, if you're booking this in advance and you find that out is one thing, if you 
on the spot and you show up and you expect these accommodations to be made. Um, and you know, you're told not to turn you away because you have a dog. It's uh, it's gotta be a little bit tougher. Like it's not tough enough already to, to navigate around with vision loss. Now you have to face that. Right. So, exactly. um, the, with the rowing, do you find that you, I mean, we hear stories that when you lose one sense that other senses tend to be strengthened or more utilized, um, do you think that that's your case whenever you're out in the water rowing, uh, whether or not you have that visor on, do you, do you feel that you feel more when you're, you know, uh, connected more to the water when you're rowing or you're hearing more? Do you, do you think any of your senses are heightened when you're doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely the feeling, the boat feel is, is heightened. Um, and just like you were saying with, uh, jujitsu that you, you'll train people with the lights off or, um, that's a, a technique for rowing too, is trying to get rowers to close their eyes and just feel the rhythm of the boat. You get a lot of information from it. Um, so yeah, that's definitely heightened for me. Has that translated anywhere else in your life? You think the, uh, the heightened sense of feeling or hearing as well, or was that really just stand out in the, in the rowing career? Um, I, I do feel like I have heightened like spatial awareness in my everyday life, but it, yeah, that's a little bit different than, than boat feel. Boat feels kind of like a rhythm. It's like almost like dancing, you know, like feeling the, the rhythm of it and the movement. Maybe I should try dancing and see if I'm good at that. <laughs> well, you, you're going back to your roots. You used to be a dancer, yeah. right? Yeah. There you go. Uh, changing a bit uh, the, the subject, I, I once, uh, uh, had a bit of contact with uh, the, the 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 Canadian uh, national basketball team for people with hearing disabilities, and uh, they were going to compete in the world championship, but they didn't have any funding like to do so. So they they I mean we we helped them like organize some fundraising events so they 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 could bring the whole team because they were considering bringing just half of the team and you know, like uh, because of like cost uh, uh, for reasons you know mm -hmm. uh, so that that kind of like I mean was was a bit shocking for me you know like I mean to know that like the national team didn't have the funds to go compete in the world championship and I was uh, uh, I wonder how it's for rowing if it is as as difficult you know, like I mean to get support or, or if it is any better yeah we're pretty lucky in rowing um... Rowing Canada has been phenomenal. And as far as, um, you know, having it's one team, it's not like the able-bodied team and the Paralympic team um, were treated as one. So there's a lot of support from Rowing Canada. Also from the Canadian Paralympic Committee, there's a lot of support. Um, I think that's probably the issue with um, deaf sports is that they're not considered under the Paralympic Committee because it's not a physical disability or I'm not sure what the reasoning is but um yeah so we do, we do get a lot of support from from the Canadian Paralympic Committee um I think Canada does a pretty good job in general um you do hear about you know other countries that that have it better than us but I think generally speaking uh we're very lucky the now are you still training and competing and uh, as a as a roller Yes. <laughs> so, so what's so what's on your what's on what's on the menu then? What's the next competition coming up? So we still have to qualify for Tokyo. 
so we, at the beginning of June, we have a race in Italy to qualify. And then assuming that we go forward from that, we will be competing in Tokyo, hopefully at the end of August. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to go, just go, uh, on a tangent again, because this is, this is how I operate in life. <laughs> um, the, how did, what does training look like for you right now? Now that you're, you know, two months away, three months away from this, uh, event in, in Italy, what is, what's your training look like? So it's six days a week. Um, typically it's a two hour session on the water in the morning. And then in the afternoon, there's a hour and a half session, either weights or, um, a cross train or something like that. So yeah, but it's about three and a half hours a day. It's fairly, fairly intense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you can quite proudly receive the label of a super mom, right? And then you do all that and you still have two kids. And it, 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 is, it is pretty crazy. Your day must have more hours than the, than the normal people. Uh, and, and I mean, besides sports, uh, you, you're quite active, right? I've seen that you know, you, you, you've, you've authored a book and you also have uh, speaking engagements. Uh, so besides preparing for uh the the, the next olympics and, and raising your kids like do do you have other <laughs> other things that uh kind of like uh, taking your time as well i do actually i i guess i'd like to be busy um <laughs> i yeah i did write a book i'm working on a second book so um yeah i'm finding i don't have a whole lot of time to devote to that uh, and i love to actually i'm really getting into audiobooks lately so um, doing a lot of reading uh, in my spare time. But yeah, other than that, I also, <laughs> I do work for the CNIB as well um, for their guide dog program. So I do like education and awareness about guide dogs as well. Yeah, we, we're actually going to have a, a, a guide dog trainer as a, as a guest very soon, right, Sean? Oh, cool. Yeah, that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks, actually. And I'm pretty excited, pretty excited for that episode. So um Okay, so super mom, uh, Olympic <laughs> athlete, uh, hopeful, um, CNIB, uh, you, you know, you're doing a lot of things, authoring the book. Can you tell us just a little bit about what your book is, I guess, and, uh, and where people can, can go buy a million copies? <laughs> it's called Beyond Vision, the story of a blind rower. Um, you can get it anywhere online, like bookstores, Amazon, whatever. Um, so it's basically, it's, it, starts out with my diagnosis of like when I found out that I had RP and then my journey through discovering rowing. Um, and then I can tell you the ending because you would see it if you looked me up online anyway, but at the end of the book, um, we actually break the world record and win a gold medal. So it's a pretty good ending. <laughs> so the next, the next book is going to talk about the Olympic gold medal. Is that the idea? Is that Hopefully, the way you're yeah. yeah <laughs> right? is, is that the, what's the angle of the second book, I guess, if you don't mind me asking. Um, I kind of want to juxtapose how, like, I hear a lot of times, you know, people say, oh, you're so, it's so amazing that you row and you've accomplished so much and uh, what a great, um, you know, great life that you have. But then on the flip side of that, I don't share as much about the, the difficulties. And I, I think I'd like to draw attention to that. Um, like we were saying about, you know, traveling, trying to travel with a guide dog and being denied access to places and just being afraid when you, you know, get in a cab and, or, you know, you can't, you don't know the person, you got to trust a stranger. And 
Um, yeah. And I, I just think, you know, I, I really promote the other side of how great things are, but, um, I think there's a, it kind of balances out. There's, there's a tough side too. It's also, it's like you said, it's you, the, the superhuman side of you gets, um, showcased, but then the, the human side of you maybe gets, gets downplayed, but it's still very much, um, present in every day. Right. Yeah, and there's so many people who are living that human side, right? And we, I think we need to hear those stories. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Looking forward to uh, that book and those stories. Uh, you, you're definitely inspiring. I think that's kind of like you not know, being Mr. Rogers here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and I think we're coming to a wrap. And I wonder if you would like to leave a few uh, words of encouragement for for the young ones that uh, I hope and hopefully are going to listen like to this. And they're there, full of doubts or about like their potential and and like I mean, maybe they've been diagnosed with whatever condition that might be perceived as a disability. And uh, I mean, anything out of your experience that could motivate them to to, to kind of like their dreams and make them come true yeah i had i had doubts when um the first time i was invited to try out for the national team and i had doubts and i honestly i if it was just up to me i probably would have declined the invitation because i thought i wouldn't be good enough but um i had so much encouragement from other people who basically said you know, like, why just go and try it? Like, who knows, it might just end up being a good story, but you might make the team. So, you know, you're not going to make the team if you don't go. I loved that idea of just having a good story to tell. And that's what got me out there. And then, you know, the rest is history. So I think, um, yeah, don't shy away from giving it a try. And, you know, if you if you try it, and you hate it, you can stop. But what if you love it? And what if it goes somewhere? And I also think it's important that if you're listening to this and you have no interest in sports, I would say, give it a try, like try some different sports. I, I'm sure there is one out there that you would enjoy and not necessarily, you know, at a Paralympic level, but just something that where you can feel like I was saying, like you feel at home, you feel free. Um, I would explore that. So a couple of quick things come to mind as we wrap up here. So there's a pretty famous Michael Jordan quote that says, you'll always miss hundred percent of shots you don't take. So I think mm -hmm. that, you know, you certainly um, have, have shown that, that just take those shots and sometimes uh, sometimes, sometimes it works out. Um, you know, Bruno was asking you, is there any advice for the young ones? But um, I'm not really a young one, I guess. I'm almost 40. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I take your advice as well, too, there. Like, when you got into this at, at age 30. And mm -hmm. so as much as your advice is for young, you know, the, the kids that, uh, out there, it's for people in their, excuse me, in twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, who uh, might find themselves um, suddenly with, you know, what a physical disability or or mental disability, or just, you know, it makes me want to uh, accept all these crazy fitness challenges. My ten year young, my brother who's ten years younger than I am, puts uh, puts forth for me. So you've inspired me to do that, and I will let you know how that goes. But. Um, I, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's certainly uh, certainly a lot of fun talking to you. We're going to probably have to have you back for round two at some point because um, as soon as Bruno, uh, as soon as we air this episode, Bruno's family is going to have about forty to fifty follow-up <laughs> questions and, and requests. And uh, a link to your 
book on the website. So if anybody wants to uh, buy that book, um, we'll see if we can help you sell uh, tens of thousands of copies overnight. And awesome. uh, <laughs> that would be great. Eh? So, yeah. Um, but listen, um, thanks so much for participating, Victoria. We certainly, uh, certainly enjoy the conversation and uh, we wish you all the best in your upcoming training and uh, look forward to see you holding that gold medal. That was a lot of fun talking with you guys. Thanks.